Welcome to the Healthcare Chats Podcast, where your hosts, Al Gresh and Mike Zimmer, will bring you insights to take your HTM and HFM from the basement to the boardroom. Healthcare Chats Podcast starts now. So, good morning. Uh, Al Gresh here. Uh, we're at the Florida Biomedical Society Symposium in Orlando, Florida. Just backdrop of uh, Disney World here, and I'm here this morning with uh, Larry Hertzler. I've known Larry for a great number of years. Uh, most of the time, Larry was with Aramark uh, Technology or Aramark mm-hmm. Health System, and Larry's now with uh, TriMedics. So, Larry, why don't you tell me a little bit about how that transition came about and, and what your role is with TriMedics? Absolutely. Good morning, everybody. Great to be here talking with Al. Um, he said some of us old guys in the industry have to stick together. We've known each other for a very long time. Um, Trimedics actually purchased the Aramark Healthcare Technologies business um, a little over a year ago. And um, Aramark was, uh, was looking to get out of the technology space and focus on really their, their worldwide competencies in the, in the food and facilities world, which they are incredible at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the opportunity to join Trimedics came up and it has been wonderful. I mean, it, it is really, when you think about um, being part of an organization that that's all they do is clinical engineering, um, a company that was kind of founded by people that turned wrenches really understand what this industry is about and it has been just fascinating to kind of get in the middle of it. Now the company's grown a tremendous amount. I worked, I worked with them before I went to work for Aramark in 2005 um, but they were much smaller back then and almost everything that they're doing has advanced. Um, one of the phenomenal things is just the investments that they've made in some of the support systems, in writing their own software, and in integrating everything that they do. Um, it's, it's really a, a, f- a formidable group of, of experts, all working on things to make the technician's life better. And uh, it's really been exciting to see that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen a, a lot of growth in, in the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you that don't know, I, I worked for TriMedics for a time myself and uh, um, had a great time there, a faith-based organization. So right. a lot of respect for the people there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Larry, you're here this morning giving a keynote address mm-hmm. on the topic of benchmarking. Right, precarious benchmarking. Precarious benchmarking. And so, you know, Larry talked about some of the, the, the pitfalls of, of benchmarking uh, in his talk this morning. Um, you know, framing things appropriately, uh, you know, making the right correlations. And, and so you talk about that a little bit, Larry, and some of the challenges that exist with benchmarking today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and over the years, I've been involved in it um, a lot, either, either directly or indirectly with the organizations that I've worked with, um, enough to see that there are a lot of potential pitfalls if people don't fully understand how to look at the numbers. Um, again, my, my favorite is averages, and I'll repeat what I said this morning. Um, on average, Bill Gates and I make exactly the same amount of money. True statement, big difference between $23,000 a minute and what I make, but on average, we make the same. So if you're not careful, averages can be very, very misleading and uh, cause the bad things to happen, You know, unintended consequences when you don't really understand the numbers. So. Most of what I wanted to talk about today was just to really give people an awareness of what you do have to pay attention to and what are some things that can get in your way if you're not really thinking right. Yeah, um, I know that uh, fr- from my own background, um, 
we, I, back when I worked at Aurora Healthcare and Alexium mm -hmm. Brothers before becoming part of, of TriMedics, um, everything that we did was data driven, and we spent a, a, a tremendous amount of time cleaning up our data, making sure that our, our technicians all documented everything that they did and all did it in the same way, right? right? Mm -hmm. And we got to that point where we, we could actually rely on the numbers, but um, there really was no benchmarking that existed, reliable benchmarking outside right. of our own organization, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you didn't know how much you could rely on, on the data that was, was uh, shared, right? right? And, and so what we focused on instead was benchmarking internally Absolutely. against ourselves, right? So um, what are some of the, the challenges that you've seen around that from an industry's mm -hmm. perspective around, around benchmarking? No, I think what you experienced is really what everybody does. You're comfortable with your own data. You know how to interpret it. It's a lot easier to come up with things that you can improve. And, and bottom line, that's what you're trying to do is move your numbers to get better. A big bonus to compare it to outside folks and that's been really difficult. As I mentioned before, I, w I was in a big project with nine academic medical centers to try and benchmark clinical engineering programs back in the 80s, and it fell apart because we couldn't agree on who needed to change so that we could normalize all of our data sets and measure each other the same way. So we kind of gave up on that. But I think really back off from the data and start thinking about processes instead and you'll probably make more progress that way because you can look at how you think about things or, or how things work as opposed to just what the raw numbers are and, and make a, a big step forward in terms of comparisons. Oh, that's a great point and, and I've had similar conversations with a great number of people that uh, it, it's much less important what your baseline is, right? Right. But find a baseline and then work to improve on that. Where right. were you last year versus where you are this year? And as Absolutely. long as you continue to progress and make improvements right. year over year, that's really yeah. what you have to focus and, on. And on top of that, making sure you understand what caused the change. What did you do differently that moved that number? Because a lot of numbers, as you know, move year to year to year to year. It's hard to tell, did you cause it or did it move for some other reason? So making sure that you understand all the pieces of the puzzle is pretty important. Yeah, and, and I, I, I've also said that uh, num the number is in nothing more than an indicator, right? right? Mm -hmm. and, and so we had mean uh, numbers for you know t average time to PM, average time for a specific type of repair. Mm -hmm. And if I saw a technician that was outside of that mean on the plus side or the negative side, you know, it wasn't time to get a baseball bat and right. go looking for that guy, but it was a time to ask the question why, right? right? Mm -hmm. Because if if the time was less, was it because the guy was skipping steps that he shouldn't be skipping, right? right? Or was it because in the course of his his life doing this, he found tricks right. that allowed him to do it quicker and more efficiently? And if that's true, wouldn't you want everybody doing that, exactly. right? And so those are the kind of things that draw you toward right. those constant process improvements. On the flip side of it, if he was above that mean, well, was it because he learned that if I do this additional thing, it's going to prevent future failures? Right. Once again, wouldn't you want everybody doing right. that if that's true, right? That's right. And, and that's why 
large amounts of data are better than small amounts as trends over time can tell you things that individual episodes or, or short episodes can't. You know, to try and figure out the work orders and looking at somebody trouble guessing or troubleshooting. You can get it right every once in a while, trouble guessing, but you can't over the long haul. Yeah. So it really, you know, understanding what's behind the data, as you mentioned, is, is the important part to know whether you're really making a change or not. Well, Larry, you've been in the industry, as you talked about, we're both old guys. We've been here, we've been in the industry a long time. Um, you know, a lot of, of discussion and angst around AEM, right? Mm -hmm. and, and certainly this, this topic comes into play right. relative to, to uh, AEM. So in your experience, both with Aramark and your current position, uh, tell me how you see benchmarking helping out support supporting uh, AEM programs in our industry. Sure, absolutely. And AEM, and I know a lot of people talk about it solely as a, as a cost initiative, which I think is, is incorrect. Um, cost is, is an outcome if you're figuring out the types of things, but it really is about a quality perspective. Identifying those steps that if you don't do them or you do them differently, don't cause any change in the performance or the longevity or the capabilities of that machine kind of by definition, those are the only things you're allowed to put on an AEM program. So yeah, that, they will result in cost savings. That shouldn't be the reason that you're going about doing this. It is about efficiencies. So I think it does get exactly to the data. You really have to understand what you're seeing in the data, how you're tracking it, you know, to your point at the, at the previous places, making sure that everybody's capturing the data in the same way so that you know what you're trying to get out of it. And I think a lot of people are in, uh, different stages in the development of mm -hmm. the AEM programs. Um, it's one of the, the big advantages that being large is. The fact that you know we have so many different sites and collecting so much data, we can see patterns quicker than uh, maybe others can, um, just, just based on the sheer size and the volumes that we have. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, a couple of events that I've been in, and even in a session this morning, um, I'm, I'm compe compelled to ask the question, what's kept you from implementing an AEM program and the answer is always the same lack of data to right. support decisions that I'm making right, right? Absolutely so that's, right. that's an issue um, so we talked a little bit about um, an, an initiative that that uh, we're collaborating with uh, or with other CMMS vendors with Amy mm -hmm. uh, Matt Baratich and Carol Davis Smith are, are facilitating those those meetings um, but our, our, our hope uh, is to come up with some standard and, and you call that out in your your uh, your talk this morning mm -hmm. that there, there really is is a lack of standards in our industry right? right and and our feeling is that if we can come up with a consistent set of things like request codes uh, result codes and fault codes with clear definitions mm -hmm. that 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 people uh, could start with and we're never going to force everybody sure. but if we can get some people to adopt that standard, and, and from a, a CMMS vendor perspective, I, I can tell you that many of our new customers are looking for best practices, mm -hmm. right? Tell sure. me what I should do rather right. than, you know, just take what I've done before and replicate it, because, you know, there's a tremendous opportunity when you're making that switch to adopt best practices, right. and so, um, you know, understanding the direction that we're going, and you know, we're we're, we're looking to find some quick wins, and and I would expect that we'll look to do a presentation at Amy, in, in the years coming uh, mm -hmm. on the successes of that. Uh, do you have any any words of caution or wariness <laughs> for us as we go down that path? Yeah, well, I th I think you mentioned the key thing is you know, who's going to adopt 
changing all of their systems. It's, it's, it's expensive and time-consuming to make changes to a system to meet another standard. So I guess one thought would be, is there a way to design what you're trying to correct, collect so that everybody can convert their data there without having to change their data systems, but almost like a map mm -hmm. that tells you, I use these three codes, those all map to your one. I can do that externally. I don't have to change my system. That way you potentially can get the comparison data that you're looking for, but the individuals don't have to change how they do their business. I don't know whether that's possible or not, but that's what came to mind. Well, and, and the reason we started down this path in the first place is, you know, I looked at my own history, and had we not gone through those steps of standardizing and defining sure. the, those codes, getting to things to the point where everybody's doing the same thing, there's no way that we could have right. benchmarked but, internally. Right? But likely, other sites have done that same thing, sure. or at least down that path, and it's probably not exactly the codes that you used. Yeah, I'm okay joining in as long as you use my codes. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so, so I'm just saying, how do you translate? their codes to a common code that, you know, a lot of what we're trying to collect is all the same. Right. Um, different words for it, some slight nuances, just figure out how to map it to the right categories. I'm guessing uh, somebody on my team could perhaps come up with some machine learning uh, <laughs> tools to, to, to help do that. So, yeah, so great advice, Larry. Yeah. So um, just in, in, in wrapping up here, are there any other thoughts you have on, on how to move the needle relative mm. to benchmarking? Because it has been decades that we've been trying to do it without success it has and um <laughs> no no magic pills nothing not no specific advice other than you know it is it is you know the same message in the continuous improvement world um little by little will get us there you can't get there all at once and it looks like a an impossible task so a lot of people just give up at the beginning but i think if we just continue to eat away at it we'll get there well us old guys aren't ready to give up just yet. Absolutely and, and, not. And I, I think the point that uh, is most important is let's focus a little bit less on the baseline number mm -hmm. and focus on year-over-year -year improvement. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, Larry, it was a pleasure Thank talking you. with Likewise. you this morning. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. Stay tuned for more episodes from the Healthcare Chats podcast. Submit your questions online and let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. Peace out.